Last week, we met Joe Schmo and learned how his bros threw poor Joe in a hole. They told their daddy was dead, but sold Joe Schmo into slavery instead. Joe ended up in Egypt with one of Pharaoh's dudes, and this guy Potiphar liked Joe's attitude, because Joe took every job that came his way and always did it without delay. God watched over Joe Schmo and blessed him in a hurry. With Joe in charge of everything, Potiphar never had to worry. Joe was turning out to be a good-looking guy, and Potiphar's wife liked to give him the eye. One day, she tried to put the moves on Joe, but Joe Schmo said, no, that's not gonna go. Joe said her husband gave him all his trust, and the last thing he wanted was to mess that up. But Potiphar's wife didn't want to listen, so she lied about Joe and had him thrown into prison. Oh no, Joe! All right, welcome, favorite people. How is everybody? Thank you. Give me a little more. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. I I need to know you're awake at the beginning or we're not going to make it to the end. Listen, I just want to welcome everybody here at Newburgh, our West Campus, and everyone listening online. We're just so honored, so glad you tuned in. Today, we're kind of going to continue our walk through the life of Joseph. Now, remember, this isn't the New Testament Joseph. This is the Old Testament Joseph, who was, who was one of the 12 tribes of Israel was named after. He, his dad, Jacob, was one of the founders of the Jewish religion. And our, our focus throughout our series is how to handle life when it doesn't go your way. What do you do when the life you're living isn't a dream you had? Because I'll bet for a lot of us, it isn't. We start in one direction and wind up in the other Can there still be peace and joy in a life that is far from perfect? What do you do when the life you're living isn't the dream you had? Well, our premise is that God can take any life, any situation, turn it around to his glory and your good and often your joy. He can buy back the worst sinner. I've seen it time and he can bring peace into the greatest pain. He can lead you out of the darkest alley. It is God's heart's desire that we should enjoy life, not endure it. Now, I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel, but I am telling you that Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I'm telling you that Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe God, believe also in me. I'm telling you that the apostle Paul said, rejoice always. And again, again, I say rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything. Those promises and the desire and the heart of God are in the scripture. So I'm asking you to open your hearts and minds to a closer relationship with God throughout the series to just kind of look for subtle or huge changes that you can make in life that might bring you joy no matter where you find yourself. So let's pray and dig into that. Father, we, oh God, we love you and worship and praise you. What a great God. What a King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But God, you're, you're this transcendent, amazing God, but you're this imminent God who, who comes into our very personal lives and loves us like a loving father. You've got a job to do, but you're a dad. You're up close and personal and you care and help us to see that God speak. It's not what I have to say. Holy Spirit, come bring to, to life the words of God. Speak through me, your servant, for us get in Christ's name. Amen. Remember when we were introduced to Joseph, he was at the top of the world, top of his game. Jacob, that's his dad, loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. I get that. My brother Terry is nine years younger than I am. The baby of the family, folks, is the baby of the family. So what? What are you going to do? That's what it is, right? So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. This guy's daddy's favorite. 
He's well-dressed and wealthy. The, the other brothers, by the way, they're not poor, but, but Joseph just a little more blessed. One addition to that, God had given him glimpses of, of, of great promises, of great glory through dreams. We catch him telling his brothers about one of those dreams. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my, my bundle stood up. And your bundles all gathered around me and bowed low before me. Isn't that amazing? I'm going to be so much better off than you are. And we don't share that kind of stuff with your brother. Joseph was given this vision that even his older brothers would one day bow before him and recognize him in their le- as their leader. He was headed. He was headed for greatness. God had plans for him just like he does for you and I. We, we talked about that last week. Well, that's where we found our boy, but that's not where we left him. His brothers weren't happy with all the favoritism he was getting from dad, from his earthly father. And they certainly weren't happy with the visions he was getting from his heavenly father. In fact, Genesis 37 verse 5 says, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brother, told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. We touched on this last week, but I have to pause. It has to be repeated, but I want to say this. I was before last service, I was sitting in the back. And I was thinking about this point, and I, and I, got, I got to be honest with you, I, I started getting angry. And to the point of, on this point, I started getting so angry that I literally, I, I, I kid you not, I sat back there and I said, God, you got to help me put this aside because I, I, need to, I need to teach the whole message. And I'm telling you, I felt like God said, absolutely not. You stop and you focus. You say what I want you to say. Listen, this word hate, and we, we talked about this, but this word hate means to loathe, to be hostile, to have a feeling of, of open hostility. It's when you, when you can't open your mouth without bad-mouthing a person. It's hoping for them to fail or get fired or get hurt. That is hatred, and it comes in all, all, you know, all sizes, doesn't it? We're studying Joseph to find out clues on how to enjoy life, even when it isn't the dream we hope for. But let's not miss clues as to what can make us miserable, even a successful life. Listen, contentment is fueled by love and respect. It's fueled by it. I, I took a break from ministry. I told you this. I sold cars for four and a half years. You, you know who people really hate? Car salesmen. Why? Because it's my job to make as much money as I can, and it's your job to save as much money as you can, and I do it 10 times a day. I'm better. I at least got more experience. But here's what I would do. When a customer walked onto the lot, and I was very successful. In fact, I was number one salesperson in the business my first month, because when I walked onto the, when somebody walked on the lot and they hated me, here's what I said in my mind. I love you. I care about you. I like you. And it worked. Halfway into this grumbly guy would go or woman would go, you know what, I'm sorry. I, I chose to love that person. They, they chose to hate me, but I chose to love them. Why? Because contentment is fueled by love and respect, but robbed by gossip and hatred. Let me say it again. Contentment is fueled by love and respect, but robbed 
by gossip and hatred. Some of you are having your contentment and your joy robbed by gossip. Some of you are robbing everybody else's joy with your gossip. Uh, that's your, uh, hatred steals joy. And listen to this. It turns good people into bad people. I want to say that again because this is somehow the one that so many of us miss. And why concentrate on this? I was talking to a man out in, in the lobby and he said, Rick, what you were talking about, it's a plague. It's a plague at my office. Gossip is a plague. I have lost the respect of others because I've gossiped. And I have stopped respecting others because they gossip. Hatred or gossip steals joy and turns good people into bad people. And the bad thing about gossip, the worst thing about gossip is it is contagious. I mean, you can, be, you can love something. You can be happy with a relationship, happy with a person, happy with a job, happy with a movie, happy with a church. And then all of a sudden you get around this crowd that goes, yeah, but... Did you know this or let me share that or let me tell you this or here's what you don't know about this person. Here's why you should be unhappy because I'm unhappy. Hatred and gossip steals joy, turns good people into bad people and it's contagious. Here's, here's what James said in the Bible about it. No one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil. Husbands, you ever thought I'm going to say this to my wife and then the Holy Spirit or just common sense says don't say that and then you say it anyway? insanity. The Bible says it's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So blessing and the cursing pour out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water, this is not right. And I'll be honest, I'm angry about it. I walked in on some session. I know I walked in. You know how you walk in on a gossip session? Because people who are normally happy to see you go, <laughs> like a groundhog popping out or whatever pops out of holes. I walk in and I see a guy I know he's disgruntled with a couple that aren't disgruntled. And guess what? Now they're disgruntled. That's evil. That's evil. That is not right. We can't make bad-mouthing, gossiping, tearing somebody down behind their backs the right thing to do. If you think it's the right thing, you're absolutely wrong. You may be sincere, but you are sincerely wrong. Let me give you some advice, some advice about backbiting that will bring you into a closer relationship with God. Rick, why do you, why do you camp on this? Because I think a lot of people's joy are stolen by this. Subtly and oh, it's bitter and it turns happy people into sad people and, 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 and joyous people into bitter people. So let me give you some advice about backbiting that will bring you into a closer relationship with God. I want you to write this down. At least write this point down. Are you ready? Here it is. Don't. I'm not real deep, am I? If you walk away from a conversation with me wondering what was he thinking, you weren't listening. 
I'm about that deep. It's all up on front. You, you want to enter into a closer relationship with God? Stop all the gossip. Stop all these evil, evil secret meetings. Well, did you know about him? No, and I don't want to know. You know what I'll say if you come up to me, did you know about, don't tell me. I don't keep up with the Kardashians. I couldn't pick one of them out of a police lineup. You know, want to know why? Because I don't want to know about other people's personal life. I want to get to know them and love them and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me personally about them. And if you find yourself surrounded by people who can't open their mouths without bad-mouthing someone else, then do yourself a favor and stop hanging out with them. In fact, I would go like this, as if they were vampires, because they are sucking the joy and the life right out of you. Knock it off. And I'm speaking to me too. In fact, joy for you may be one step away. God may be like, I have so much. I want to pour this down on you. I have so much I want to do for you. But there's a clog. There's a stop. There's a filter. And that filter is called gossip and a bad attitude. You're destroying the joy of other people that's not yours to destroy. Joy for you might be one step away by simply changing the way you act toward and speak about others. Sad thing is some of y'all don't know who you are, so if I see you out in public, I'm going to point it out. If I see any more of these huddles, I'm going to walk up and go, guys, I hope whatever's going on here is honoring Jesus. Hatred put Joseph in a pit and sold him into slavery. He didn't have to be there. That wasn't God's choice. Hatred put Joseph in a pit, brought misery to his dad and guilt to his brothers. Didn't have to happen that way. Genesis chapter 37 said, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to all those Ishmaelite traitors. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. Isn't that sweet? We, we do that. Well, God bless him, but whatever comes after but stinks, pun intended. I just made that up. Man, why didn't I think about that last service? All right, I got to go on. I got to go on or I'll get in trouble. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern, sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him to Jesus. Our boy has gone from the top to the bottom. From, a, from daddy's favor to a lowly slave. We, we pick up on Joseph at the last verse of Genesis 37. It says, meanwhile, the Midianite traders arrived in Egypt where they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the palace guard. I, I would call this the death of a vision. A few weeks earlier, God through a series of dreams shows Joseph that one day his family will bow down to him. He's going to be a leader. He, he, he's going to be successful, so successful that others will admire him and want to be like him. But guess what? That's not where he is today. Where you are right now is not where you're going to be tomorrow. I mean, have you ever had a vision die, begin an education, but didn't complete it? Had the love of your life walk out on you? Perhaps somebody just didn't make it. 
It was a parent or a child, and that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big plot twist. Your dreams have maybe wound up being a little bit more like nightmares. Listen, I can promise you that it had all the appearances of a nightmare to Joseph. No more snuggle time with dad around the fire. A coat of many colors is torn and bloody. He's led into the city and chained and sold to a man he didn't know and probably didn't speak his language. Nothing was the same. What would you do? What would I do? How would I feel? I think I probably would have shaken my fist at God and screamed. I would have surely been angry and crushed. Mostly I think I just would have been really sad. All of that's normal. All of that's okay. Look what Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says. For everything, there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a, a time to die. A, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to cry. Sometimes crying's what you got. And a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance. I was sitting at Starbucks as I was typing this message, and a friend of mine walked in. He's a pastor at another church not real far away from here. I hadn't seen him in a long time. And I said, man, how's it going? I, I haven't seen you in a while. And he said, Rick, I'll be honest with you. He goes, I've been battling a pretty crippling depression. I get some of you are struggling with sadness. It seems overwhelming to you. Oh, oh, overcoming my own depression was a long process. Listen, I, I had to hear the truth of God's word over and over again. I had to hear that God loved me, that I was valuable, that I was usable. I had to hear that even though, you know, I didn't deserve it, God still loved me. I had to start changing and applying the principles of healing. I had to zero in on exact thoughts and actions that were blocking God's blessings into my life. Guys, it was a test of endurance, but be sure of this. There is light at the end of every tunnel. Sometimes that's all you can hold on to. There, there's a God who loves and adores you and will walk through the dark places with you. But here's the deal. Contentment is often found at the end of a journey. Sometimes those journeys are real short. A day, a week, a month. Sometimes it's a couple, few years. My crushing depression was at least two years long. Contentment is often found at the end of the journey but I promise you it can be found. Hang in there. There's a time to cry, but there's a time to laugh, a, laugh, a time to grieve, but a time to dance. Well, let's pick up our boy Joseph in, in verse, or chapter 39, verse 1. It's kind of a repeat. When Joseph was taken to Egypt, the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. I don't know if you recognize it or not, but this is probably the most significant line in all of this chapter and one of the most significant lines in all of the story of Joseph. This is one of those lines that makes me stop and say, God, you are so cool. God, you are so amazing. You might be thinking, what are you talking about? This man is sold into slavery and you think that's awesome? I can honestly tell you that as I was writing this sermon, I got goosebumps realizing just how significant that line was. I don't believe at all that, that, that God caused Joseph to go into slavery. We, we love to blame God for everything. That, that's completely on his brothers who were filled with hate and jealousy. It's not on God and it's not on Joseph. You could say, wow, he was a tattletale and he was a braggart. Okay, me too. I don't want to get sold into slavery over it. 
But I want to say this throughout my entire life. I have been able to look back after the worst time and see God's orchestrating hand, all the good in my life. I have seen God manipulating circumstances, not not during it, but after to bring about his honor and my good. Remember the promise that God had given Joseph through dreams in Genesis 37. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? The answer to that question, by the way, is yes. Absolutely, that's going to happen. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. You see what's going on here? God had promised Joseph that one day he would be a leader over his family, but his understanding of the vision that God gave him was too small. As we will see later, God was telling Joseph that he was going to be a leader over multitudes, over an entire country. Now Joseph is sold into slavery to the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Eventually this, eventually this boy was going to go from a ditch to a palace. He could have been sold to a thousand different people in a thousand different cities, but he was sold to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's guard. Make no mistake, he was sold to Potter for, for a reason. This isn't a coincidence. This is the intervening hand of God. This is God dipping into Joseph's personal life to bring about good out of a bad situation. This is God setting up Joseph for eventual success that he was going to have. And I want to tell you, God does the same thing for you and me day after day. We just don't see it. Horrible things happen. Not your fault, not God's fault, but they happen. And God says, how do I take this and paint a masterpiece? How do I take this scar and make it into a beautiful picture? God is faithful. He's there when we can't see him. You know, the worst thing about dark places in your life, it's hard to see God. He never leaves us. He never lets us go, even when life makes no sense at all. He's always orchestrating and manipulating life to bring about his glory and our joy. Potiphar had a direct line to the Pharaoh and the throne of Egypt, and God just dropped Joseph right into the midst of it. Last night, I used one of my students, a guy and and now good friend, a guy by the name of Ben. Ben's 24, and he just recently started praying and really giving his life over to God. His dream is to be a photographer. He puts a lot of his stuff on Instagram. It's beautiful stuff. But at 24, he found himself working for a fast food chain in in California called In-N-Out. Or as Californians call it, heaven. I mean, just this amazing place that's been around forever. Well, he recently quit In-N-Out and took a job working in this kind of touristy train place in in central California. And, And side photography jobs just started popping up all over the place. We called me excited just about three days ago. He was so excited that a photography, this massive photography, biggest job he'd ever been offered had opened up. But he said to me, man, but Rick, he says, my only fear is I'm going to have to really improvise because I don't have the exact lens I need to do a great job with these pictures. Enter the problem, enter God. Just so happens that Ben's mom owns a pawn shop. He called me later that day, about three hours later, to tell me somebody had cheap sold his mom the exact lens that he needed for his camera. Here's what I completely believe. God did that. A blessing is when God, this is a, I don't know if you know the death, you always hear, well, bless his heart, bless, a God bless. Here's what blessing means. It's when God intervenes into our daily lives to accomplish and do things 
things for us that never would have happened without him. God cared for Joseph. He cares for my buddy Ben. And he greatly cares for you even in the midst of your pain. Your pain. That is the character of God. You're going to look back and go, whoa, I see what you were doing there. Listen, I wonder, I wonder how God is going to use the present nightmare you might be going through right now to, a treat, to achieve a dream you never thought possible. Let's, let's, look, let's look one more example of God's manipulating hand. Here I sit. Well, 12 years ago, I was Patrick Garcia's youth pastor. Maybe it was longer than that now. What a horrible child he was. <laughs> I'm underselling it. But through bumping together, God, God used me in Patrick's life. And then Patrick and I became good friends. And then Patrick became a confidant of mine, a guy I, 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 way beyond his years I absolutely trust. And here I sit. You don't think that's God's manipulating hand? That's just God. It's what he does. I just wonder how God is going to use the present nightmare, which was me being Patrick's youth pastor, you may be going through right now. Oh, y'all think I'm kidding. Let's talk later. No, I hid the whole gossip thing. Forget it. To achieve a dream you never thought possible. Oh. Man, if I just kept my mouth. Anyway, no, listen, no matter how dark today is, there's a light at the end of every tunnel. You and I can handle any situation if we just know that it ends, can't we? I just need to know there's an end. Joseph's end would be the palace and the seemingly horrible time in his life was just one more step towards the palace. See, Contentment can be found in believing in God's great faithfulness. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God, but he rewards those who diligently seek him. At some point, you've got to say, God, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't understand, but I, I believe wholeheartedly that you are faithful, that you really do have a plan for me, that you are valuable, that you created me with a purpose. You've got to get that in your head. You've got to understand there's an end and we can grasp onto the fact it's really dark now, but I know there's a light coming somewhere. Somehow it gives you the strength to hold on. You see, your present situation is not your final destination. You got to have faith. You got to understand that no matter where you are right now, you, with God's help, can make it through this. Look, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in other words, you have at some point in your life realized, I am a sinner in desperate need of God. Like I did when I was 17 years old. I simply said, God, the best I know how. I believe you love me and died on the cross to pay for my sins. I can't pay for myself. God, pay for my sins. I give my, I, I'm confessing you as Lord. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've done that, if you haven't, do it. Just do it, man. Just do it. Just, just. The greatest gift in the world is Jesus Christ. And when you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, your journey here on this earth will not end until you wake up in glory and stand face to face with him. And oh, what a retirement. Nobody's touching that 401k. Nobody. You're going to find yourself in a place of never-ending joy. See, Joseph found himself a slave to the world around him, but his present situation was not his final destination. So here's the question we all need to step back sometimes and ask ourselves, now what? Sometimes in the face of your worst circumstances, your worst failures, and at the darkest hour in your life, 
All you can do is decide, now what? Do I freeze in time? Do I lock myself into some mind-numbing depression? Or do I step back, assess the situation, and simply say, now what, Dad? Where do we go from here? To his father, Joseph was considered dead. To his brothers, that whiny little tattletale was long gone. To the rest of the world, he was a worthless slave. But to God, he was still going to rule. He was still the guy that was going to reign. You think being in slavery was going to stop God's ultimate plan? See, the Bible says God doesn't change his mind and he doesn't lie. No matter what God had to do, he was going to orchestrate Joseph's bright future. Well, let's look at how Joseph handled slavery in Genesis 39, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. That's the next verse. Sold in slavery, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master, Potiphar notices and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. You know what Joseph was doing in slavery? He was ruling and reigning. God was with Joseph through tough circumstances. Don't mean God isn't there. Joseph succeeded in everything he did. He served God. God made him successful. Isn't that crazy? How do you go from the top to the bottom and still do anything? How do you experience life in the midst of great loss or pain? I believe Joseph was that rare, rare man of God who is legitimately more concerned with pleasing God than pleasing himself or the world around him. I believe that Joseph, I believe that he was more concerned with building a mansion in heaven than a vacation home on earth. I don't, I, I'm not saying he never did it, but scripture doesn't record one wine, one why God, one this isn't fair, one I'm out of here. Joseph said, God, if this is where you have me, then this is where I will stand for you. That's rare. I'm going to be honest, a lot of us ain't ever going to get there. He's more concerned with building a mansion in heaven than a vacation home on earth. Didn't matter who he was with or where he was. He was going to praise God and look like God in his family's home or in his master's house. It didn't matter whether the circumstances were great or poor. He was going to look just like Jesus. He was going to be faithful to God because he knew that one day he was going to wake up in glory and he wanted to hear his father say, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, contentment can be found in great passion for God. I got up at... 7 a.m. yesterday and I was excited. I was up early. I wanted to go. I wanted to sleep later, but I said, no, I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to Starbucks. I'm going to study. I'm going to really solidify this. And then I've got to go way, 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 way out to Mount Vernon. I mean, that's so, you know, and I got a lot to do today. And I get this text from one of our incredible people at our church. And she said, uh, hey, Pastor Rick, one of my friends called me. Haven't seen him in a long time. She's suicidal. She called me. She's down at the river. Would you come? And I thought, I got to study God's word. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make you a great Christian because you go to church every weekend. 
You go to a Bible study in a small group and you're in a Christian baseball league. That doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a godly man or woman is you get outside of all those things and you start telling people about Jesus. It is, if it's about you, then this blessing isn't for you. It's just not. Contentment can be found in a great passion for God. You really want to experience the blessings of God? Then you got to start pursuing God. And how do you pursue God? You pursue the hurting world around you. See, she calls me up and I said, well, like, can I call? She goes, I, call, I called. And as soon as I started talking to this woman, I got in my car and I drove down to the river. That lady who called me stayed with her till 1130 that afternoon. That woman was in church last night with all three of her boys. Do you know what her 10-year-old said? He said, I don't know why. At 10 years old, he said, I don't know why. He goes, but you know how sometimes you go to a place and you can't get the smile off your face? That's how I feel here. Praise God. Contentment can be found in a great pursuit, great passion for God. If your life isn't bigger than you, then it's way too small. Joseph was like, I'm in slavery. I'm going to make the best of slavery. I'm going to go. It isn't, it isn't, oh, everything's so perfect in here. It's everything so broken out there. I'm going to come in here, get revved up and take it all out there. I'm going to go to the riverbank and keep some woman from jumping into it. I'm going to, there's a guy with a gun to his head. There's a hurting family. There's a high school kid who doesn't know Jesus. There's a high school kid that if somebody doesn't spend some time with him, he may wind up at school with a gun in his hand and I'm going to be Jesus to those people. You know what the Bible says about the people who always put God first? Hebrews, the ones who are more concerned with, with not concerned with their joy or comfort as much as with God's. By faith, these people, it, you got to really love God. You got to get way out of you and get way out there to get this. Those of you who said, ah, oh, I'm done. This isn't for you. By faith, these people over three kingdoms ruled with justice, received what God has promised them. They shut the mouths of lions and quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle, put whole armies to fight, to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. The... the Oftentimes, these people were, were the people who received God's biggest blessings right here on earth. Man, God used them. You know what? Sometimes it didn't go so well for them while they were here. It says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. I love that. I'm not gonna, I don't care if freedom, I don't care if it's better on the other side. I don't care if it's better outside of this. I, I, am, I don't want to be free. I want to serve God. They placed their hope in a better life after this resurrection. Some were jeered and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Uh, some, some, that Peter, John, Paul, all of them chained. Some died by stoning. Some were sewn in half. Paul was sewn in half. Others were killed by the sword. Some went around wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. I'm getting up for this so you know it's big. They were too good for this world. Oh, I want God to say about that about me. 
Uh, I want to be that guy. I want to be like that. I want, I, want, I want God to say to me, wow, Rick, the world didn't deserve you because that's true joy. If life is just never seems to be right, it might be time to take a step back and say, God, now what? Perhaps it's time to stop talking about Jesus and start living for Jesus. Oh my gosh, the contentment that can be found in the pursuit of God. The joy that can be found in those who are more concerned about building a mansion in heaven than a vacation home on earth. Joseph didn't give up on life because the plan didn't go the way he wanted to. And you know what? God was going to take him to that throne. I, I, I wish I could tell you that our boy went right home after this experience or that his situation got much better, but it didn't. Oh, he was going to get to the palace, but he was about to be accused of a crime he didn't commit. He was going to find himself in prison. In fact, his life was actually going to get worse before it got better. But I'm out of time, and that's a message for next week. Let me pray. Father, what a great God. Oh, I want to pursue you. Oh, I want to pursue you. I want to find the peace and the joy and the power and the blessings that are only found in a pursuit of you. Father, pour out the storehouses of joy on these incredible men and women. Let them know Jesus. Let them know God. And then let them live for you. For I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. God bless. Thanks for listening.